chapter 7. I'm going to, uh, I've got, I got notes to keep up with notes. And um, so I may not put much of anything on the screen tonight. I just want to um, share the things that are on the top of my heart. Um, amen. I feel like the Holy Spirit's just drawing attention to uh, breathing on tonight. Um, I have people ask me sometimes, they said, you know, Pastor Mark, how, how do you prepare a sermon? How do you, how do you, uh, you know, teach me how to preach or, or what have you, you know, and I usually look at folks and smile and say, I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer that question, but what I do is as, as I just study and have conversation with the Lord and meditate on His Word, um, I keep uh, a list of notes. Used to do it handwritten, then I went typewritten, and, and so typewritten now can either be things that I type or dictate into my phone, text to uh, speech to text. And, um, and then from those, I don't know if you want to call them journals or, or whatever you call it, um, there's, there's things the Lord's teaching me, and um, my, uh, my brother-in-law, Mark Whiten, said to, to teach is to learn twice. And, um, and so from all those notes, I then pull out things uh, to present, uh, you know, to people in form of, of, of classes and sermons and things of that nature. And that's, how, that's the way it works for me. Now, I'm not saying that's how you do it, but that's, that's how I do it and how the Lord has shown me to do it. Um, and so what that means then is there's always more notes in the reserves, amen, than we have time to, to present um, when we're together. And so what I'm most interested in tonight is uh, what the Holy Spirit would have said during these next few minutes uh, from all the things that He's revealing to us, amen? Um, for those of you who were not here this morning, let me just give a, a quick review um, we see in the Old Testament that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And then from those ten written in stone, there were many more um, judgments, ordinances, instructions, commands that were given, that were written, um, what we would call paper. And Moses call the entire nation together and he read those instructions, commands, ordinances to the people. And of course, along with that, what God said he would do for them if they obeyed and what would happen to them if they did not. And, um, and we see that the Bible says with one voice, they agreed to those commands, to those instructions for living. And they said, we will do it, we will be obedient. We then see that at the Lord's instruction, some young men killed some oxen. The blood was, was uh, set aside. Moses took that blood and, and half of it he poured in basins or, you know, lavers. We might call it a bucket, but it was a little more formal than that. And then he took a hyssop branch and he dipped it in that blood and he flung it, if you will, you know, would swing it and pop his wrist 
and the blood that had absorbed into the velveteen texture of that hyssop branch would be released from that branch and would hit the people. And as he did that, he said, this is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant. And, and so notice, he was putting the blood on them. If you compare that to Matthew, the 26th chapter, where Jesus, at the Passover, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. Then he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. Drink ye, right? All of you drink from it. All of you drink it. And the main point we were emphasizing this morning is that the old covenant that contained the law and the ordinances, it was something external. It was a list of requirements, a list of commandments that the people were trying to live up to in order to be right with God. The new system, the new covenant that we now live under is not an outside-in approach, but it's an inside-out approach with the primary difference being, well, a lot of primary differences. The main one is it's not ratified with the blood of an animal, but with the precious and spotless blood of Jesus. But notice the instructions were to drink it. In other words, take it into you. Because what we need corrected, what, what's broken that needs to be repaired, that needs to be fixed, that needs to literally be, be literally crucified and buried and start over, resurrected to new, um, is inside of us. It's not outside of us. Now, I believe that when the people said to Moses, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we will be obedient. That they sincerely meant that. But of course, we know their history. And not only do we know their history, we know, come on now, we know our history, <laughs> right? Easier said than done. Anybody ever use that expression? Easier said than done. Easier said than done, you know. I mean, you can stand there like a man. You can stand there like a man with a womb, a woman, and take that blood, man. You, you know, just splattering all over you in your hair and face and eyes. I wonder if they close their eyes, you know, like, oh, man, here it comes. You know, it's coming our way, you know. And uh, you can stand there and say yes, and, and, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. It's going to be different this time. I'm going to do better this time. I'm going to do right this time. I'm not going back this time. I'm, I'm going to live for Jesus this time. All this other stuff, right? And mean that. I'm not making light of that. And mean that. But, of course, we, we see that they failed and failed miserably, just like all of us failed and failed miserably. Now, what was missing? In other words, why were they unable to uphold their end of the bargain, to do what they said they were going to do? Well, the answers for that are here in Romans, the seventh chapter. Let's, um, let's begin at verse... Um, Let's begin at verse number 14. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. Amen. Um, for some reason I'm having an issue pulling these up, but it's okay, Christy, don't worry about it. It's all good. Romans 7 and 14. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. 
sold under sin. Okay? I'm going to come back to that, but let's keep reading. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, what I say I'm not going to do, I agree with the law that it is good. This again are these commandments that, that God gave to us through Moses. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, now this is one of the most important statement in parentheses in the book of Romans. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. Okay? That's important right there. He's talking about something that's in his flesh as opposed to something in his soul or something in his spirit. He said, I know that, again, let's get back to it, that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now later, look at me for a moment. Later, Paul's going to talk about that as born-again believers, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God himself by his spirit dwells in us. So clearly when he says that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, he's talking about in, in his flesh, the flesh itself. Obviously in you, in me, if we've been born again, not only do good things dwell, the Holy Spirit himself dwells in us. So he is distinguishing here the flesh, and that's important. For I know that is in my flesh nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Anybody relate to that? If, you, if you're paying attention, I think we can all relate to it. Now, what I'm wanting you to see tonight, though, is remember, when Moses, you know, said, here's what God said, will you do it? The people said, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we'll be obedient. Yes, we'll follow this. Yes, we'll live this way. Yes, we'll do these things. And, and when they said that, again, they were sincere. They meant it. God looks on the heart. He knows whether someone is sincere or not. And, and, and they were sincere. But, but here is the problem that they had, okay? They were willing to do it, but did not have within them what was needed to perform what they were willing to do. Notice what he says here. For to will is present with me. The desire to do right is there. Though I'm willing to live right. I'm willing to say yes to God. I'm willing to serve Him. I'm willing to follow Him. I'm willing to obey Him. I'm willing to try to live up to His commandments, to His standards. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. Again, he's talking about does not find it in his flesh. The reason he's not going to find it in his flesh is because it's not in his flesh. And it's not in your flesh and it's not in my flesh. Amen. Now, let's try to do some teaching tonight. Let's learn together. Let's go back now to verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Carnal means fleshly. 
Okay? So when he says we know the law is spiritual, he says it came from God. So the law is not our problem. Remember in Romans 8, he says that the law couldn't do um, what people wanted it to do for them, not because there was a problem with the law, but because of the weakness of our flesh. Because our flesh did not have the wherewithal, the ability to be able to live up to those standards, no matter how much we wanted to, no matter how much we desired to, no matter how many times we said we were going to do it. Now listen to me, please. We, we mentioned this this morning. I'm going to mention it again tonight. I don't know how deeply we're going to be able to go into this now. But one of the things that we see over and over again, please don't do it uh, while we're together, but if you have a chance tonight when you, you know, get still before you go to bed, read the seventh chapter of Romans again, but this time read it just looking for the use of this word will. Amen. And I want you to think of it in terms of willpower. Because see, this is, this is where, and, and, and it's sad to me, this is where the, the, so many born-again believers think that, you know, if we just had more willpower, we could, live, we could live better Christian lives if we just had more willpower. Listen to me, please. Willpower and being willing is important. But willpower is not enough here. Willpower alone is not enough for you and me to live the life that God created us to live. And we can't, we can't keep putting our eggs in the willpower basket and think if we just had more willpower, we could do better. If we just had more willpower, we could say no to sin. If we just had more willpower, we could resist temptation. Now, your will is a key component of your soul. But your will is at, is at the mercy of your emotions and your thinking. Your soul is the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that, that chooses. It's your mind, emotions, and will. And as you think, your, your thoughts determine your emotions, and your emotions influence your choices. And so we can't just say, you know, you just need more willpower. If you had more willpower, you'd already quit smoking. If you just had more willpower, you'd already this, you'd already that, you'd already lost them 10 pounds, you'd already, you'd already saved that emergency fund, blah, blah, blah. Listen to me. I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss this idea of, 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 of having a, a strong, uh, you know, willingness and, and determination and, and, and all that, but willpower alone is not enough. In, in the book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, um, we, we talk about a scene out of an Indiana Jones movie where this ninja, I don't know if you've seen those old movies, this, this ninja-like dude comes up and he's swinging the sword and making this big show and all that stuff, and Indy does what? He pulls out a gun and shoots him. Right? Now, when you first see this dude, you know, I mean, he looks very intimidating. He looks like he is fixing to slice and dice, you know, the hero of the movie. And so the point being... If, if you're trying to use willpower to overcome the law of sin and death, my friends, you're bringing a plastic knife to a gunfight. Your, your willpower will never be enough to make you right before God in the eyes of God. It simply cannot do it. Willpower alone is not enough. Were these people willing? When they said, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we'll be obedient. Yes, we'll do these things. Were, were, did, were they willing? They said they were, and they believed they were. 
But again, there was something else going on. This is what Paul's talking about here. He said, I don't understand. I've made up my mind. I've said I'm going to do it. I've redoubled my efforts. I've quadrupled my efforts. And, and, and my, my will alone and, and my determination alone is not enough. There's something else at play here that he doesn't understand. Okay? And so notice, you know, this, the systematic way that the Holy Spirit has of presenting these things Paul looked at every possible uh, problem. In other words, he examined the, the, the entire process. And notice where he began. He began by saying, well, maybe the problem is not with me. Maybe the problem is with God's law. Well, obviously that was not the answer. And he very quickly came to the conclusion that the problem is not with, with what God instructed. In other words, I don't think anybody in here would think it's, 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 it's a, a bad idea not to lie to somebody. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, we agree with those laws. We, we agree that they're right. Man, if you, if you ever get upset about red lights and traffic laws and, and police officers, go try to drive in a country where those things mean little to nothing. And you will be very thankful for the traffic laws and the policemen and women who, who enforce those here in, in, in this country. I know, especially here in our city, they can be a little, uh, uh, you know, uptight about it. But amen, or oh me. Again, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, who wants to live in a world where it's okay to kill people, it's okay to lie to people, it's okay to take a man's wife, it's okay to take a man's position. All of us agree, let me see, here's how we might say it. We agree in principle. And so, you know, as Paul left no stone unturned in trying to understand what was really going on here, you know, the, the first thing he looked and came to the conclusion of is that the law is not the problem. We could say it another way. God's not the problem. <laughs> if there's a problem living up to this thing, it's not because, you know, God has asked unreasonable things from us. So he says, well, there, you know, so what else then is going on here? So notice he says... For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. And not just that he's carnal, he's carnal because why? He's sold under sin. He's been sold under sin. Now, I think it's also important to note here that he said he was sold under sin. Not that he sold himself, but that this was something, I don't like to use this word, but, but he was the victim of hold your hand right here in, in Romans 7 turn over with me quickly to 1st Peter chapter 1 1st Peter chapter 1 thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord alright you get anything out of this so far all right, 1 Peter chapter 1, um, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. I'm not, I'm not going to go too far down this road, but look at me for just a moment. As born-again believers, and this is what I, I'm ultimately wanting to get to. This is, this is where we're going to end tonight, but not right now, but where we're trekking towards, all right? 
Amen. I remember a kid in church when the pastor, you know, I think, man, is he finishing? Is he finishing? No, he's not finishing. All right, so, no, I'm not finishing, so, but I'm getting close, all right? Is anybody with me tonight? Are y'all here with me tonight? All right, amen. See, how to perform what God desired of them was not found within them. But we've been born again. The ultimate fulfillment of the law is love, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you will obey these two commands, you will fulfill all the law and the prophets. Romans 5 says that as born-again believers, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you because your born-again Spirit and the Holy Spirit have become one Spirit. And guess what He's doing inside of you? He is pouring out the love of God in the innermost part of your being. The Holy Spirit now is in you and He is pouring out the love of God. Meaning what? Meaning you now have the wherewithal to love and love deeply. And because you have the wherewithal to love even your enemies, amen, because you can love them with the love of God, you have the ability within yourself now to do what God created you to do, to live the life that He created you to live. In other words, there's, there's something and someone inside of you now giving you the ability to do it. How to perform it. It's not in your flesh, but aren't you glad tonight it is in you? Amen. How to do it's not in your flesh, but, it, but how to do it, how to perform it, is in your born-again spirit. Amen. So notice he says, since you've purified your souls, the blood of Jesus purified our spirit. Now we are purifying our soul, our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our feelings, our choices, our will. That's your soul. In obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love. Not through your willpower, not through your determination, not through your religiosity, not through your holier-than-thou attitude, not through your discipline, not through... Uh, uh, discipline's a good thing. Self-control is a good thing. But those things fall under the category of willpower. And as important as those things are, they're not enough. So notice what he's commending them for here. That they have obeyed the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently, he says, with a pure heart. Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Now this is an important verse. I want you to connect this verse with where we were in Romans 7 and 14. Paul said, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. When were we sold under sin? We were sold under sin when Adam and Eve sinned. Romans chapter 5 teaches, and we explain this in great detail in discipleship class. Come on now, come on back with me just for a few more minutes. In, in, in Romans 5 we see that it was not your sin, it was not my sin that gave us a sin nature. It was Adam's sin. We were all in Adam in seed form, and when Adam sinned, the Bible says we all sinned with him. When Adam sold himself under sin, we were all on the auction block with him. 
We were sold under sin by our father Adam. And because of that, the Bible teaches that we were born from corrupted seed. This flesh that nothing good dwells in, according to the Word of God, Romans 7. The reason nothing good dwells in this flesh is because this flesh was born of corrupted seed. The sin of Adam caused his seed to become corrupted. We are descendants of Adam, and because we are descendants of Adam, we were born of corrupted seed. It's not my mom and dad's fault. They were born of corrupted seed. It wasn't their mom's and dad's fault. They were born of corrupted seed. It goes all the way back to Adam who sold us all under sin. But aren't you glad tonight for the last Adam? Aren't you glad for a new fountainhead, for a new race of people? And aren't you glad that he came and said these words to us? You must be born again. And aren't you glad tonight that he made a way for us to be born a second time of an incorruptible seed which has produced within us an indestructible heredity. Amen. Amen. This is how we, Christ in you now, the hope of glory, we now have the ability to perform what those folks under the old covenant did not have the ability to do. We actually have the wherewithal within us to live the life that God created us to live. All right, so let me, let me say that one same thing, but let me say it a little, little sim more simple. You ready? Your flesh was not born again. Your spirit... Remember what Jesus said in this great conversation with Nicodemus in John the third chapter when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You'll never see the kingdom unless you're born again. You'll never enter the kingdom unless you're born again. You must be born again. And Nicodemus, so, such an educated man, he says to Jesus, how can a man when he's old go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus is talking about the real you, the deepest part of your being, your spirit, that's the part of you that is born again by a new seed, an incorruptible seed. And my friend, that, that new birth experience produces such a radical transformation of who you truly are at the deepest level of your being. This is why I tell you all the time, discipleship, living the Christian life, is about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. See, now if we want to reach deep inside of us, dig deep inside of us, find somewhere deep inside of us to do what it is that we're called to do, guess what? There, there's something in there now. There's someone in there now that we can draw on to live the life that God created us to live. Man, the Holy Spirit keeps bringing this back up. So let me, somebody, I believe we all need to hear it, but somebody specifically needs to hear this. So please... Let me just real quick and then we'll wrap this up, okay? Your flesh was never meant to rule you. We were never meant to be led by our flesh and the desires of our flesh. 
We were always meant, intended, created by God to be led by His Spirit. For our spirit to be one with His Spirit and for Him to communicate us through that connection. Adam and Eve did not understand that they had a physical body until they sinned. They were so aware of their spirit that they had little to zero awareness of their flesh. Once they sinned, they became conscious or aware of, of their sin, and immediately upon becoming sin-conscious, sin-aware, they became self-conscious, self-aware. Amen. Now we sit here, carnal, sold under sin, trying to figure out how in the world they could have lived in a physical body and not known they had one. Remember when Paul went to the third heaven, he was so aware of the things of the Spirit that he can't tell you whether or not his body went with him. He doesn't know if he was in the flesh or out of the flesh. Because the things of the flesh became so insignificant that he doesn't even recall if his body made the trip. We sit here and we go, how in the world could they not know they had a physical body? And heaven looks at us tonight and says to so many of us, how in the world do you not know you are a spirit? We've become so fleshly aware that we've become almost unaware of our spirit. They were so spiritually aware that they were practically unaware of their physical body. And that's how God created us to live, not ruled by the flesh. My friend, if we will learn how to walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will not be led by our flesh any longer, but we'll be led by our spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into God's best life for us, for each of us. Amen. Amen. All right, praise God. Let's, uh, let's land this plane. Are you, are you still with me? You're getting anything out of this? All right. So, <clears throat> let me keep reading here. Let's go back to Romans 7. Verse, let's see. I want to go back to, um, to verse 19. For the good... I'm sorry, verse 18, for I know that in me, Romans 7 and 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Let me remind you tonight that the Apostle Paul is talking about his own personal testimony, and he's not talking about something that existed in him before he was born again, but he's writing this as a born-again, spirit-filled man. Amen or owe me about that? Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. 
O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I am so thankful the book of Romans doesn't end right there. Because from there he says, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. He just got through talking about the condition of those who are in Christ Jesus. But he then begins to introduce to us this third law. So, Can I tell you what I came this close to doing this morning? And I came almost that close to doing it again tonight. Chapter 8 in uh, the book, uh, in my book, is called Keep Flying the Plane. And I have, it's so funny because I'm sitting there like almost struggling like how to organize all this in a sermon. And it's like the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? You, you've already done this and put it all in writing, man, you know? I came this close to just walking up here this morning and reading chapter 8. And I, and I might do it yet. Amen. I might do it yet. I have, I have read it, I, I don't know how many times I've read it. In the chapter, I asked the reader to please read this at least one more time. In there, in that chapter, we take these things and, and, and the whole, with the Holy Spirit helping me, we spell them out as well as I have been able to spell them out to this, to this point, okay? <clears throat> the thing that we have to come to terms with is that when God gave the law commands through Moses, he did not do that in hopes his commandments would stop people from sinning. And unfortunately, that's what most people think. They think that God finally had enough and he's like, look, we got to outlaw this stuff or people are just going to keep killing one another. If we don't, if we don't pass a law against this, people are going to keep having sex outside of marriage. And so God all of a sudden, just in response to bad behavior, he just passed a bunch of laws um, in, in, in hopes of, if, if, if not stopping sin altogether, at least holding back the tide. <laughs> Nothing can be further from the truth. What we actually see in Scripture is the law came through Moses to bring all of us to an awareness of the law that's written in our flesh. It's what the Bible calls the law of sin and death. And that without a Savior and without Him giving us at a deeper place in our being, the wherewithal to overcome and rise above it, we will never, willpower alone is not enough, and we will never overcome the law of sin and death. Now listen to me. I'm not, I'm not a negative guy. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a poor pitiful us, okay? But please hear me. And you, I don't want to end the sermon this way, and I'm not going to end it this way. But what we've got to come to terms with is that as long as we live in this physical body, and my friend, it's not going to be forever, but as long as we live in this physical body, we're going to have to deal with the law of sin and death in our members. 
and the commandments written in stone, not only did they not stop sin or stem the tide of sin, the Bible says, and God knew it would happen, it caused an explosion of sin. Because the law of sin and death in your members is aroused, Romans 7, it is aroused when you're told not to do something. In other words, because there is something in our flesh that came from being sold under sin and born from corrupted seed, are you hearing me now? Wasn't God's original plan for us? This is a result of Adam's sin, and we're all dealing with the fallout from that. Amen. We won't deal with it forever because the Bible says we have a new body in heaven. Amen. There will come a day when you have a body, a glorified body, that is comparable to the born-again spirit that's already in this earthen vessel right here, right now, today. And my friend, the Bible says that's when your salvation will be complete. Amen. And you'll be able to eat cream-filled donuts and not get fat and walk through a wall. You won't even have to go through the door. Amen. Amen. That's the body Jesus was in, one of those bodies. It's the body he's in right now, in heaven. He's in a glorified body. And we see that when he was raised from the dead, he told Mary not to touch him. He goes and pours out his blood on the altar. He comes back to the earth. He is in a body, but it's not the body like we have right now. He's in a glorified body. And that's what's waiting for us in heaven. The Bible says God's already got one prepared for you. And the body you're in right now, he calls it a tent, but he calls that body a house. As long as we're in this tent, this tent is flawed. This tent has something in its members called the law of sin and death. And it's always like gravity trying to pull us down to a lower place in life. But thanks be to God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We now have the Holy Spirit living deeper inside of us and in a more prominent and powerful place than the law of sin and death in our members. And He is pouring out the love of God in us, giving you and me the wherewithal to live the life that God created us to live. And on your born-again spirit, He's written a new law. It's a new sheriff in town, my friend. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus you can rise above and overcome the law of sin and death written in your flesh thank you Jesus turn with me last verse turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and I'll read this and then we'll pray Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12 Remember now, in Exodus they said, we'll do it, we'll obey. But how to perform, how to follow through, how to actually do it wasn't in them. It wasn't in their flesh, and because they hadn't been born again yet, it wasn't in their spirit. The best, they, the best weapon they could bring to the table was willpower, and Paul already told us willpower alone is not enough. Listen to this now, speaking of you and me in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, verse 12, Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at me for a moment. This is another one of those verses captured in, in that uh, thing the Holy Spirit 
gave me to say, gave me to give to you to say, right? The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. He's saying work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not telling them to go cut a deal with God. He's saying the salvation you've received inwardly, we're working, it's working its way out. It's working its way from deep inside of us, out of us, to an outward expression of life. Notice now, he also uses again this word obeyed. He says, look, you obeyed the gospel, you obeyed the love commands when I was with you, but even now more so in Paul's absence, he's commending them for obeying and for, for putting forth this effort to, to walk in love, to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice what's, what's added here. The word do is added here. In other words, the people in Exodus, they were willing, but how to perform it was not found within them. But now it is God who works in you and me, both to will and to do. To, when, in other words, we don't just want to do good, we have the wherewithal to do good. We don't want to just live righteously, we have the wherewithal to live righteously because we've been made righteous. Since we've been made righteous, since we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we now have the wherewithal to work out our own salvation, our own righteousness with fear and trembling. The inward reality of your righteousness becoming an outward expression of righteous living. It's in you now. He's in you now. Righteousness wasn't in them before. And no matter how hard they wanted to be right and live right and do right, they, they, it was unable, they were unable to do it. The only ones who were able to do it in the Old Testament were the ones who did it by faith. Not by willpower, not by determination, not by religiosity. By faith. They believed God. And it was accounted to them for righteousness. But my brother, sister, we, we are in a different day. We're in a different time. We're in the days of grace. Living by faith in the days of grace, amen? We have the wherewithal. Listen, not... Stand with me, praise God. We have the wherewithal not just to obey. We have the wherewithal to live in victory. We have the wherewithal to speak with new tongues. We have the wherewithal to cast out demons. We have the wherewithal Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling involves you laying your hands on sick people and those sick people recovering. We have the wherewithal, according to Jesus, John 14, 12, to do the works that he did and even greater works than these. It's not just that we have somewhere deep inside of us the ability to live righteously because we've been made righteous, but we also have deep inside of us the kingdom itself the resources of God's kingdom, the authority. He said it, it dwells within you. The resources of God's kingdom, the authority of God's kingdom, the power of God's kingdom, His rule, His reign, His realm, all now inside of you. This is how we live victoriously. This is how we overcome temptation. This is how we destroy the works of the devil. This is how we live a blessed, healthy, prosperous life. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you, Father, that we are no longer born in our spirit, Lord, of corrupted seed, but we've been born 
of a new seed, of an incorruptible seed. We've become a partaker of a new nature. And he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. So Father, as we understand this dilemma of being trapped in a fleshly body that was sold under sin, that still lusts after things that our spirit no longer desires, you're showing us how to act upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus so that we can overcome the law of sin and death that's acting upon us. Father, thank you for helping us and teaching us. Lord, there's so much that we covered tonight, but Father, even the simplest part of this, unless your Holy Spirit reveals it to us, Father, we're just spinning our wheels at best. So Lord, I ask you tonight to take what's been spoken here in this room. Lord, may it be more than information. May it be revelation and may it be impartation into everyone listening. Father, I thank you that fresh victory, fresh anointing, fresh mercy is already in place waiting for us in the coming days of this new week. Help us go forth with excitement and anticipation. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Look at me for a moment before you move, okay? I was this afternoon reading the latest edition. I don't think we have them here yet. Um, I tell you all the time to grab these. They're on that back table back there. They're free. Amen. The latest edition, I don't know if you've, those, I get one at my house, plus we get them here. It's the story of this little four-year-old boy that drowned um, on a family vacation. Uh, his grandparents are pastors. They, had, they have five children, and those five children have 22 grandchildren. And, um, and they all went to Hawaii, the whole family reunion. They were at this resort in Hawaii, and the, and the four-year-old drowned in the lazy river of the pool there and um, went to heaven. I mean, spirit left his body. Um, just so happens that a neonatal NICU uh, pediatric intensive care unit nurse decided to go. She only had two hours before she had to catch her plane, but she decided to go get in the hot tub for just a little bit, wring that last little bit out of her vacation. She, her child saw that child floating on top of the water. Of course, what the little boy said was that two women with wings came to the bottom of that pool and lifted him up to the top, turned him, he was face down in the, in, in the pool. They turned him right side up and lifted him up to the top of the water. The nurse, the little boy, the, the nurse's child said, mom, I think that kid right there might need you, might need your help. And of course, she drags him out of the water and starts um, CPR. Long story short, raised from the dead. Um, I do, it, amen, I'm excited about it. It made me cry reading the story. Okay. But in, in the most recent magazine, Brother Copeland, and I, man, I, I can't believe I forgot this. Holy Spirit, help me to never forget it again. But one of the things that he does is like, he'll just like um, a convenience store clerk um, a, a, a stranger in line at the grocery store, whatever. He said, just walk up to people and say with the biggest smile, you can, your whole face, whole body smiling. 
he said, just look a total stranger in the eye and say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Such a beautiful way to start a conversation with somebody. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Well, you know, I mean, they got to respond to that, right? I mean, if they know him, they're going to say, man, he is. He's been so good to me. Or they're going to look at you and like, I don't know what you mean by that, right? But it's a perfect way. So, amen, here's your challenge. Find some folks this week to look in the eye with the biggest smile you can put on your face and say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Amen. Amen. You go in peace. Thank you for being here on a Sunday night. Blessings to you and to your family.